husband, wife. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me at long last. Welcome to Your Social Anxiety Bestie, a podcast that shares the truth about what it's like to live with social anxiety and celebrates the messy courage it takes to show up scared in the world. Whether you consider yourself shy, introverted, socially anxious, socially awkward, or your own special mix of some or all of the above, you are welcome here. Through this podcast, my Instagram account, and my Social Anxiety Besties Club on Patreon, my goal is to show you that you aren't alone, that it's not just you, and that it can get easier to just be yourself in the world. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know this has been a long time coming. I've been telling people that I'm going to invite you on the podcast for like six months now. Yes, you've been telling me you're going to invite me on the podcast for six months. And I was starting to think that it was the invitation was never going to come. (laughs) Well, there's logistical and social anxiety challenges to that. Logistical being um, the children. We just finished putting the kids to bed. I'm not telling you this. I'm telling I'm telling the friends this because you know that because you were just with our son. Yeah. And then the social anxiety thing is like, I don't usually use my podcast voice with you. I use my wife voice with you and I have very distinct voices for different people. Anyway, you could try using your mom voice. Husband. Is that, is that my mom voice? That's, that's, that's getting pretty close. <laughs> I wanted to bring you on the show because a lot of people talk to me about or ask me about how to have a relationship and social anxiety at the same time. And I get four big things that people say. And one of them is social anxiety is hurting my relationship or a variation on that is I feel like I can't have a relationship because of social anxiety. Um, I lied. There's only three. So that was one. Uh, the other one is my partner doesn't understand my social anxiety. And then the last one is from the partner's perspective, how can I support my partner if they have social anxiety? I figure between the two of us and the experiences we've had over the last, however long since I was since we discovered that social anxiety was a thing that I had, um, I feel like we can have a conversation about those things. Would you like to do a little self intro before we jump in? Uh, yeah, I'm Jesse. I'm Sadie's husband. Uh, we've been together for 10 years. Uh, I've known she's had something like social anxiety, even if I didn't know the name for it, uh, for pretty much all of that time. And she's known it for about half that time. <laughs> This has been a part of our relationship for as long as we've had a relationship. And uh, I don't know what to say about me. I'm Sadie's husband. I'm the father of her kids. You know, I think she's great. Oh, that's about me. What's your podcast, you know? (laughs) So that was interesting that you said you knew I had social anxiety before I knew I had social anxiety. I thought I was just shy. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, shyness and social anxiety, like there, there is a lot of overlap there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, anxiety is, is a spectrum, right? There's everybody experiences anxiety under different circumstances. And it's, you know, what, whether you have an anxiety disorder, whether you have social anxiety disorder in particular, um, really just comes down to what triggers those feelings of anxiety. You know, I get anxiety uh, when I'm worried that, you know, large men are going to punch me and as happened recently. And that's, you know, you might say that that's a reasonable time to feel anxiety, but you know, what triggers anxiety for 
some people doesn't trigger anxiety for others. Like the feeling that I get when I'm in a, a situation like that can be the same feeling, the same subjective experience that you have at the thought of going to the grocery store or, you know, returning a garbage can to Canadian Tire. You're hitting on all the topics I wanted to talk about. This is excellent. Okay. So, so just, just, yeah, sorry. Just to clarify, um, people don't just randomly punch you. This is a work thing. Um, yes. So everybody knows. Yes. I mean, yeah. people don't randomly punch me very often. <laughs> Usually it's for a reason. Usually it's expected punching. Yes. Usually I'm getting some sort of paid for it. Right. Okay. So I did want to talk about the punching scenario because you said something really interesting when you came back from this past weekend and you said that like like you just said it triggered your anxiety and you felt like whoa i'm actually scared i have to open my i think you said stress and fear management toolbox and and use some of the tools and you said that that helped you and that helped that sort of helped you understand what it might feel like for someone with social anxiety going out and going to walmart for example yeah, I mean, you're in a situation that triggers that that stress response. I mean, that's a perfectly natural response, right? Every human being has that response. What triggers it can vary from person to person. And arguably, you know, it's only really a disorder, an anxiety disorder, when relatively normal or benign situations are triggering your those, those feelings of stress and anxiety and fear, and it's generating that stress response. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's just a, an extreme case of, you know, it's, it's a normal human thing just taken to an extreme or that happens in, in an unusual situation. And that's what makes it a disorder. Yeah. So, but it's still, it's still the same feeling. It's the same experience that I have when I'm in a situation that where I'm in a situation where someone might physically try to harm me and I have to manage that stress response, right? I have my, I have my toolbox of, uh, you know, the, the old mental resiliency toolbox that, you know, you prepare and then you perform and then you recover, do your breathing and your visualization and all those things that you, that, that, a person can use to sort of manage that anxiety response. But, you know, it's what triggers it for me. Like I'm, I get triggered, you know, I get anxiety or that stress response from a situation where I'm in some sort of perceived physical danger. You get it from like the thought of being in, uh, you know, social danger, if you want to call it that. And that's also a perfectly normal thing, right? People always say that, you know, the number one fear is public speaking and the number two fear is death. So at a funeral, it's better to be in the casket than giving the eulogy. <laughs> yes. Yep. And that's awesome. And that's, and that's normal. That's, that, that's a perfectly normal thing. You know, human beings are a highly social creature and a highly status conscious creature. And we're very, very conscious of our social standing and we're hardwired to try to understand how others are perceiving us and to care about that. Mm-hmm. And again, like that's normal. Everybody, unless until you get used to it and you can get used to anything, right? Uh, until you get used to it, everyone is afraid of public speaking because 
it's you, you feel that you're in social danger. You feel that you might lose social standing. You might lose face if you say something wrong or you embarrass yourself or you can run through all these different things. Uh, and it's this anticipation, the anticipation of a bad outcome that triggers the anxiety response. Mm-hmm. And what triggers it in like for some people, it's just public speaking. For some people, it's physical danger. For some people, it's just the thought of talking on the phone or inconveniencing someone, um, you know, telling the waitress that the, the soup is cold and the food doesn't taste good, going and returning something at the store. If someone listening decides to send this episode to their partner and the partner is now the one listening and they are completely baffled, like maybe this whole social anxiety thing is new to them, how, what, what would you say in terms of where they should start if they want to help their partner and, and, you know, oh, like uh, help themselves. I would be like, I'd be like, buddy, buckle up. You are in for a ride. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. But you, yeah, sort of. <laughs> no, I mean, communication is always a two way street and you have to consider how the things that you say and the ways that you act and the behaviors that you exhibit are going to be interpreted, not just the way you mean them or what you are thinking, but the way that they're going to come across to the other person. And, you know, in our case, like I have to, uh, I, you know, I always have to sort of consider that. And I think everybody should do that. Any healthy relationship, you should be working on communicating by considering how your part, like how the things that you say and the things that you do are going to appear to your partner, what that is going to communicate to them, not just what, what you mean. So, um, but, but social anxiety, knowing that your partner has social anxiety certainly plays a role in understanding how they're going to interpret what you say and what you do. So if I, I know that if I say something like, like, Oh, you know, it looks like the floor didn't get swept last night. That to you, that's going to sound like, listen, we need to talk. (laughs) We need to talk about the disgraceful state of the floor that you have allowed to happen. Yes. And my deep disappointment in you. Yeah. So, you know, I have to, yeah. And, And I know that. And so I, you know, and again, it's not an imposition on me, right? Because I think this is an important thing for any relationship to communicate, not just from your own perspective, but to be able to put yourself in your partner's mind and understand how the things that you say and do are going to, you know, how they're going to interpret it, what it's going to communicate to them based on their perspective. And I, that's just a part of your perspective that I have to take into account. So when I say, when I make a comment about, oh, you know, I, I have to be careful to say like, oh, it looks like I forgot to sweep the floor last night or, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, oh, oh dear. Like the, looks like the kids made a real mess last night. Let me, let me get the vacuum or something like that. Yeah. I think you do uh, a lot of we. Yeah, and and partly that's partly that's my that's a way for me to leave an opening for you to ask me to do it if you want me to, hmm. um, as opposed to just saying, you know, I I will very rarely say, hey, could you do this thing? 
um, because I, I regard us as sort of a team and we're allocating roles and responsibilities and tasks within the team. And I want that to be done by consensus, not just by default. Hmm. So I want to like, if you're going to do something or if vacuuming the stairs or sweeping the floor is going to be your job, I want that. I don't just want that to sort of be like a habit that we fall into. I want that to be a choice that we're making. Yeah. If, and if, you know, if that's going to be my thing, then, you know, then that should be a choice that we're making. And one thing that I would say for a partner, that's a real challenge is knowing when to when when to do more when to take on more for your partner um you know and the example that came up recently was having to having to return something to the store yes um, that garbage bin wanna, yes i don't know if you want to tell everybody that story. yes i have i have like been prepping for this story because i talked about it in the past episode well from the time of recording so episode one of season two is called messy courage and I talk about this garbage bin that had to be returned to Canadian Tire. Um, <laughs> so if you've already listened to that episode, this may be, this will be the other side of that story. But basically we had a garbage can. We just moved, we had a garbage can. It's a very fancy garbage can. It's not automatic, but you know, it has a step. We've never had a step before for a garbage can and it broke. And I didn't keep the receipt because why would I keep the receipt um, for 90 days or whatever? And it needed to be returned. And I did not like that idea of returning a garbage can that had already been in use that I didn't have a receipt for back to Canadian Tire. And I was like, well, I, I had all these things in my head about how that could go and why I shouldn't do it. Like, do they even take used things? Or is it just like, you know, you're kind of committed to this relationship with this garbage can now and it's your loss? I don't know, but okay. But you just decided to bring it back I th- no, originally you suggested that we or I bring it back because um, with our current arrangement, I, I take on more of the domestic stuff just with how we have, our, have it arranged. But in the end, you decided that you were going to take it back. And yeah, that I, like the, fa- the part that's interesting, well, okay, there's two parts. One is the fact that you just did it, no problem. Like, I wish I could be like that. And then the other part is how you decided... Well, it's kind of like what you were saying. Are you going to do it? Or is this something that I need as an exposure exercise to do? And that doesn't always have to be your decision. But in this case, you made the decision to go return it yourself. Yeah. And it's it's definitely, I don't want to treat you like a child because you're not a yeah. child. Right? You're, you're an adult. You're an adult woman that is stronger and braver than even you realize mm-hmm. and i know you can do these things it and takes a i bit. don't yeah but i don't want to i don't want to limit you like a, any person you know if you give them an easy way out most people will just take it without thinking because of mm-hmm. course you will why wouldn't you you know as i i am increasingly realizing that children are not just smaller adults adults are just very large children (laughs) and so when you give well you know if we offer to do things for the kids they'll they'll let us we have to push them to to take on more independence to do more things for themselves and they complain about it but you know if i if i just 
do things for you, you'll, of course, you'll just go along with it because why wouldn't you? Who wouldn't? But, unless, I, unless I'm consciously, you, you know, trying to face a fear. Yeah. But if I'm like, if I'm just taking on, if I just take these things on, then of course you'll, you know, you'll, it just becomes the default, right? Like, oh, dealing with the people stuff is Jesse's job because mm-hmm. that's just how we have it. That's just how we do things. And I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect you in that way. I don't want to, I don't want to take that away from you, that opportunity to, to face your, your, anxiety to give yourself these exposures Mm -hmm. but at the same time i need to be cognizant of the fact that what is for me sort of an inconsequential interaction with another person for you is something that is you know similar to me being in a fight yeah right it's like it, it feels like to you like physical danger it feels you have those same those that same experience of anxiety that I have when I'm standing there going like, all right, a, a person is going to walk through that door and try to punch me in the face. Yeah. Like, here that's we go. The, that's what Buckle it feels up. like walking into Canadian tire with a garbage can that's broken. Yeah. Whereas for me, I just walk up to the counter. I'm like, Hey, my garbage can broke. Can I have another one? <laughs> and they said, yes. Well, yeah, of course. Like, I mean, what was the worst they were going to do? They were going to say no. And then I would say, you know, well, I would really like a new garbage can is what is broken. And, you know, I guess the worst case scenario is at some point, like they call me a jerk and ask me to leave the store. In which That's case, getting socially just, punched in the face. In, in which case I will, you know, <laughs> but who cares? Like, then I'll come home and I'll be upset about it for a couple of hours. And then like, I'll drink some tea and I'll be fine. <laughs> but Warhammer. yeah, exactly. You know? Yell at the children. No, I would. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. No, I'm, I'm the one that yells at the children. But no, you don't. You snap <laughs> at the children. That's different. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. What I appreciate. I'm sure to your socially you, anxious brain, it sounds like yelling. but It feels like yelling, but maybe it's not. Maybe I just normally whisper in with them. I whisper strongly. <laughs> That's, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go quite that far, but somewhere in between those. Okay. <laughs> in any case. Yes. Okay. So yeah. with the garbage can thing. Why I appreciated you doing that in that case is that it takes a lot of energy for me to face my fears all the time. And nobody has that kind of energy all the time. Yeah. And, and that's like, I know that. Right. And at the same time, I know that the only reason that I can, you know, that I can dig into this resiliency toolbox, like this mental resiliency toolbox that I have is that I have, you know, I have more experience doing it. And I don't want to deny that to you. I don't want to give you sort of the easy way out all the time because not taking the easy way out is also exhausting. Mm-hmm. But, but I also, you know, it, it, I have to find that balance. I've got to find the balance between giving you your independence or at least like not trying to, I don't want to say giving because it's not mine to give, right? But between giving you the space to exercise your independence and, you know, also helping with the burden because, you know, what kind, like, you know, what kind of, what kind of jerk watches somebody struggle with like trying to carry three bags rather than just go and offer to carry one. 
Yeah, exactly. Right? And you care, so, like partners care. And, and I'm not going to pretend that I get the right balance every single time. You know, I'm, I'm sure that I don't, but I'm not going to pretend that I, or claim that I make the right decision every single time. And I'm not even really comfortable talking about it as like my decision, because really it should be our decision. But at the yeah. same time, I know you're not going to ask me. Yeah, that's but. true. And that I, that I did actually want to touch on that. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about the Social Anxiety Besties Club on Patreon, which also includes the Socially Awkward Book Club. If the topics discussed on this podcast speak to you, I think you might really enjoy the club because it's a welcoming, safe community of friends who understand what it's like to just want to be able to do all the things that other people seem to do without even needing to think about it, like saying hi to a neighbor or making a phone call to the doctor. If you'd like to find out more, please check out patreon.com slash your social anxiety bestie. The link is also in the show notes. I would love to see you there. All right, back to the show. There's like, with this whole, should you help? Should you not help? Like, should you push me? Should you not push me? There's always that, I don't know if danger is the word, but it's, it's so easy to fall into a dynamic where it's not, it's not equals anymore. Like it's, it's you deciding, or it's one partner deciding whether to help or push the other partner or like enable or support the other partner. And it, I feel like, I feel like it puts, it potentially puts a lot on the non-socially anxious partner's shoulders to always be trying to figure out what their role is in that way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it puts a lot on me. I mean, every relationship requires, you know, requires a certain amount of work. It requires meeting your partner halfway on things. It requires, you know, identifying what, what your like strength areas are and what your weaker areas are and where you complement each other. And sometimes it means, you know, one partner does the things that they're good at and the other partner does the things that they're good at. It doesn't have, like, not everything has to be, you know, equal doesn't have to mean the same. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. So, you know, yeah, if it takes, if, if there's a, a thing needs doing that's more within my skill set or my wheelhouse, then yeah, like that's something I'll, I'm happy to do, of course. Right. But um, at the same time, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, t- I don't want to take away that opportunity for you to, to take that on if that, if you want to, if yeah. you, if you feel that that's beneficial to you. And I don't want to, I guess, demean you by acting like you, I don't think you are capable or I don't think you can do it. So it's, it's, there's definitely a balance to be struck. I have to, I have to work to try to find the right balance between, between not just, you know, not just doing everything the, the, at the first sign of hesitation from you versus like knowing when to say like, okay, yeah, this is more, this is really more a me thing. I should do this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not easy. It takes like on the non-socially anxious partners part, it seems to take a lot of 
conscious generosity and support and on the socially anxious partner side, like I have to, I have to be very intentional about pushing myself. Otherwise it's, it's easy to just, well, I think that like this happened earlier in our relationship. Like I found myself leaning too much on you and that puts, that puts too much on the other partner. So it's, it's, it definitely hasn't been easy. Like we're in a really good place right now, but it hasn't always been like that. Yeah. And my, my first instinct is always to do more, like to give more of myself to take over, you know? So there was a time when I would have just said, Oh, that like that, that's hard for her. I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would have regarded that as doing you a favor. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I, I think it's important to, to recognize that when you do that, you sort of take away agency from your partner and that's not really doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you create that opportunity for this codependence to develop. That's really not healthy for either partner. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the, I think, I do think it is important to, to understand that, um, that it's not a, like, it, it, this is not a, a one-sided thing, right? It's not just me being generous and you accepting generosity. Like we, we both, we both have our, we both look out for each other mm-hmm. and it's, it's about doing what you can, where you can and knowing when to help the other person. And if you need something, being able to just ask or just say, um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of give and take. It, it can't just be give. And I don't want anybody listening to this to feel that they need, you know, the only way they're ever going to find a partner is if they can find like this perfect, generous person who's going to, you know, be like hyper aware of their social anxiety all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think just a healthy relationship with like any healthy relationship should include most of these features, whether, whether your, your weak area is social anxiety or it's money or it's, you know, like one partner is handy around the house and the other partner like hasn't, doesn't know what lefty loosey righty tighty means. (laughs) Like uh, there's always going to be these things where, one partner is stronger in some areas and the other partner is stronger in other areas. And it's, you know, any healthy relationship should have all these features about communicating, but that definitely it comes from, has to come from both partners. Yeah. Right? And it takes that's practice. Not, yeah. That's not something where I don't want to, I don't want to give anybody the impression that you need to sit around and wait for a partner that's going to come along. That's going to have all these perfect communication skills. Like these are things that you develop as the relationship develops. And it, it definitely has to come from both sides. And, um, you know, there are a lot of tools that are out there, uh, if you know where to look for learning how to manage, you know, your stress response and how to manage your anxiety and how to have like honest two-way communication mm-hmm. uh, within in a relationship. These are all things that, you know, are, are really important for everybody. Yeah. And I, I think I would want just speaking to the socially anxious partner, don't always assume that social, like that your social anxiety is the problem. 
it's that's not necessarily always the problem. It it could be a problem, but it's not going to explain every single problem. Like, I mean, I just mean don't think that your partner is this perfect person all the time and that you're the problem because it, it goes both ways, like we've been saying. I mean, yes. I I am not the problem. To be clear, <laughs> but well, yeah, you are perfect. Of course. <laughs> So it is possible to have a relationship when one person has social anxiety, as long as the other person is perfect. No, I'm just kidding. As long as it's worked for us. Yeah. (laughs) As long as there's good communication and all those things. Um, So we are going to wrap up, but I I did want to talk about one thing that I remember being a challenge before I understood how social anxiety kind of made me or how I behaved as a result of social anxiety. And that was like when, when you have social anxiety, you become hypervigilant about how you come across to other people. And I realized like over the, think over the course of my, my social anxiety therapy, that I was being hypervigilant about how you were coming across to people, especially my family. So I would like, in the same way that I would prep myself for a social encounter where I'd be like, okay don't say this don't say that say this don't I would do the same thing to you and be like don't make this kind of joke don't make that kind of joke don't make that face and I mean I don't think I used that tone of voice I think it was (laughs) but it was such a disservice and I just want to flag that as something to watch for because social anxiety is very sneaky that way and it can look like trying to groom yourself and your partner for social interactions. And I had to really consciously work to stop. I mean, I probably still do it a little bit, but I, I try not to because Jesse is a separate individual person and it's not fair to do that. But I didn't even know I was doing it. I thought I was being helpful and being like, did you know this is what other people think? And this is how you come across. And like, th- that was all cognitive distortions, but I, thought that I was correct and that I was doing him a favor. So yes, you're doing you know. me a favor by telling me all the ways that other people found my behavior and personality, you know, off-putting or unpleasant or. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I'm a, a social chameleon people pleaser. So I was just trying to make you that too, so that we could both be safe in the world. I, I am a social bull in a China shop. <laughs> I think that's one of the strengths of our relationship. We're so different in that way. But yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, that was a little bit like, that was like, that was a little bit hurtful, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it sounds an awful lot like your partner is saying like, oh yeah, like you suck for the following reasons, reason the first, (laughs) but you know, I think that it's, uh, it's important to have a little bit of humility as, as well. So that when your partner says something like that to you, you can sort of stop and think and say, you know, okay, like, does she have a point or do I think maybe this is unreasonable? Mm-hmm. And as, as much as it's like, sometimes the best thing is just to sort of like let that one slide for the time being, and then maybe come back to it saying like hey remember the other day when you said this you know it kind of hurt my feelings and i don't think that was really fair yeah that's a good point it's hard to talk about it while the anxiety is basically in control and but like it's also hard as the partner to hear something like that and not be offended not get upset yeah get defensive and get defensive but you know just 
I mean, I think being defensive in, in a relationship in general is, is not a healthy thing. Yeah. Um, being able to sort of take a step back and, and examine yourself and examine your behaviors because nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody acts like a jerk sometimes. There are times when you t- say, hey, you're acting like a jerk. And I stop and I think about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's right. Like, I don't think I ever say that, that's, that pointedly. Well, no, but that's the social anxiety. I know, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I know that you would say that if you didn't have social anxiety. Yeah, no, I definitely think it. Well, well done. See? See, See look at you. Yeah. Look at you coming out of your shell and everything. <laughs> Being honest yeah. in front of all these people. I know. But... Yeah, you know, it's, it's, and again, like, I don't want to go too far the other way and give and, and, you know, make, make your listeners sort of second guess everything they do and every behavior their partner might have. Like, well, yeah, my partner came home at like three o'clock in the morning uh, with no, like, without a word and won't tell me where he or she was. Like, but maybe it's just my social anxiety that mm. is saying that that's bad. Like, no, that's bad. Yeah. Like lack of communication and, and things like that. Like that is bad. Don't do that. Like, don't, don't accept that from your partner. Right. But you know, it's like, Oh, my partner told an off color joke. Like now everybody's going to think we're this like boorish, uncouth barbarian couple. <laughs> well, right maybe maybe dial that one back a bit like your gear down big shifter uh also find a partner who makes you laugh (laughs) it's very helpful all right well i promised jesse that i wouldn't keep him past 11 p.m because we have to get up early for the kids and it is now 11 p.m um so i think we touched on most of the big things i really just wanted to give both sides of the relationship like both partners some reassurance and some hope that it is possible to do it. Um, And I wanted them to hear from you because like, it's great for me to say, yeah, it's possible. We have a great relationship. Great. Great. Everything's great. And then like, who knows what you actually think. So I come on here and I'm like, Oh my God, it's exhausting. (laughs) I can't say anything. We can't go out in public. I can't tell my weird jokes. Can't do that thing. I like to do with my face. What? (laughs) I don't know. What thing? I don't know. I'll tell you about about, it downstairs. We're going to talk about this later. Yeah. We're going to talk about this later. All right. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, like, uh, you know, social anxiety is what it is. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I realize that it's a distressing thing, but it's, it's a, it's something that can be managed. Yeah. And it's something, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like you, you you're not just social anxiety you're like this wonderful generous kind thoughtful hardworking, clever curious amazing person and social anxiety doesn't change or take anything away from that the work that you're doing to manage and overcome it is you know is is so much bigger and more important than than just having this uh, this disorder, and you know anybody like anybody with uh, 
anybody with a an anxiety disorder or um, you know other mental health challenges, like these are not the dominant features of your personality. They, yeah, you know, that's true. I mean, and with with of course the caveat that I would say that anybody who's you know in real distress or in crisis should seek proper medical attention. Mm-hmm. But as sort of just a day to day management thing, this is not you know, this is not how people see you. People don't just see you as this walking basket of social anxiety. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I'm glad. Yes. I want people to hear that. It's true. Like people don't just see you as like social anxiety that happens to be contained within this person. Yeah. Right. People see you as a person with, you know, a personality and with it and with a history and with, you know, for you, like all these wonderful, I'm sure for everybody, all these wonderful traits and characteristics and, and the social, the social anxiety that you're experiencing, like, unfortunately is kind of invisible because so much of it is just internal. It's your own subjective Mm -hmm. experience, but it doesn't have to be this thing that it doesn't have to be this, this hard limitation on you right? The work that everybody's got, everybody's got boundaries, everybody's got limits. And the work that we do to overcome those things is how we grow. It's not about how far you get on any particular path or in any particular direction. It's about the work that you do to take the next step. Yeah, I love that. That is one one of the many reasons I wanted to bring Jesse on the show, because his growth mindset and just mental resiliency has been really helpful for me. So thank you for that. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. And I'll see you downstairs. I will see you upstairs. All right. Bye. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'm testing out a new thing, which is a Google form I created where you can submit any questions, feedback, or topic ideas to the podcast anonymously, as long as I did it properly. If I didn't, I will figure it out and fix it. I love hearing what you think and what areas you need support or encouragement on, so please feel free to check out the link in the show notes. Until next time, remember that there are people who understand what you're going through and who also just want to feel okay in the world and in their own skin. And remember that it's okay to show up scared and show up imperfect because that means you're showing up and you deserve to show up in your life. I'll see you next time. Bye.